Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there and if you tell your opponent what do i use on my racket i use the mega tack you're going to be attacking with that mega tack from start to finish if you've seen anything we do at cracked rackets you know i'm a hairy guy as you can imagine i sweat when i play the only grip that works for me is the turn of tennis grip of course the mega tack taking things to the next level how can you get yourself hooked up with a turn of grip today it's simple you're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you'll get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today hello uh, welcome to the next episode of the challenger the podcast somehow we have four challenger events in the same week where US Open qualifying is, which is which is probably a first ever, I, I, I'm assuming. Uh, the US Open is actually the only slam that, I think the only slam that starts its qualifying on Tuesday, so the draw isn't out yet, but we do did find a solution to this. We're going to have a separate US Open qualifying predictions episode, probably a, a, the, a day after this one comes out, I, I suppose. We'll see how the, how the boys at Cracked Rackets handle this, but uh, that's what we're going to do. Anyhow, here we're only going to discuss the, the three events that uh, just went and the four that are going to happen this week. Uh, I suppose we're starting with Kozarki, right? Yes, yeah, let's let's go with it. It may be the smallest event, but we certainly have the most to talk about with all of the interviews that, you, that you've gathered over the week. But let's start with Kozerki, where Tomasz Machac leaves the champion, Zhijin uh, Zhang, 1-6-6-3-6-2, his fourth challenger title, his second uh, this season. Uh, he was he beat uh, Zekic, uh, Adet, Topo, and Mansuri, moves up 32 spots, number 126. Uh, yeah, was this a bit of a surprise to you to see Machac uh, winning this event? Winning, yes. G- going deep, probably not, because if you look at his draw, it was a bit of a cakewalk. <laughs> I think we yeah. can we can say that. Uh, I I think it was a surprise for me to see him winning this. And uh, maybe we'll start with the with the interview, which is actually after his quarterfinal match against Marco Topo. This one's pretty short, I believe. Yeah. So this is only your second tournament ba- back after an injury. Are you happy with how your comeback is progressing? Yes, for sure. Especially this match because I didn't play well. From the beginning, so I was losing to to five something for real something like this, and yeah, I then I changed my mind and it was much better. Would you say that the first three months of 2022 was the best tennis that you've ever played? 
Maybe. Spec, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe the last year also was mm -hmm. pretty good uh, the beginning. But yeah, I play I play really good. Unfortunately, the injury. But yeah, I'm happy happy that I come come back after the injury and I'm playing I playing well. You're gonna be here for the weekend. Are you afraid that this is gonna somehow hamper your chances at U.S. Open qualifying? Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't think about it. But so for sure, it will be tough after after uh, after this tournament to go to America then prepare maybe one day uh, with with luck. So yeah, I don't know. We will see. But I'm really happy that I play semi-final tomorrow. And I'm not focusing on the other tournament, especially it's US Open. But I will try my best to to prepare there. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, as you heard, I mean, uh, the guy has had a phenomenal 2022, and it's such a big shame that he had this three month, over three months actually, even injury break. This is actually his just just his second tournament back. So I think in a way, perhaps this was surprising that. You know, as early as the second tournament after a long hiatus, he's coming back and already winning titles. Uh, but he is still very close to getting to the top 100 this year. And I think with, with the kind of break that he had, this this shows just, just how strong he's been. Uh, obviously, the beginning of the year is is what we remember from him, the, the best Australian Open, Traragon. Uh, but but then he 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 really kept it up and he's he's doing he's doing it still. I think I'm very impressed with the way he handles matches, just the way he uh, adjusts tactically. Because most of these ones, I mean, against Zekic and Adet, he was, you know, he, he played at a very high level. But against Topo and Mansuri, uh, it it always felt like he was just at I don't know fifty percent. But it it was still enough. Actually, both Topo and Mansuri served for one of the sets. And then against Zhang, he just looked so lost when when the Chinese came out and started hitting as crisp as he was from the get-go and just made some very, very nice adjustments. You know, he, he stood up to his power, just stepped into the court a bit more. Also on return, because in the in the final, Zhang had this... Like, it, it, it didn't really feel like, like watching a Zhang Zhang match because he was net rushing so much, especially mm -hmm. after his second serve. I mean, it, it was clearly a tactic designed to... Um, take advantage of Mahaj's further back returning position, I suppose. And when Mahaj changed that, he just instantly began the, you know, he, he, he became the more dominant player. He became the one who, who started controlling the rallies. I think in a way, it was a final between a player who, where one of them is an exceptional post striker, has amazing technique, but the other one thinks on the court. <laughs> and the, uh, the the latter uh, prevailed, and and this was just a, a very impressive run in how he how he handles all the pressure moments and how he was really able to uh, you know, pick up on the things that weren't working and start doing something else. And he did it a lot of time. He he just really reads the game well. He he understands what he needs to do on the court, and th this won him this title. Yeah, I mean, I obviously it's not the most impressive draw that you'll get uh, on 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 route to a challenger title, uh, but it being just the the second event back from injury, I was very impressed with him, uh, especially managing to to win that final against Zhijun Zhang, uh, who's been just on fire uh, these past two months. He's he's been incredible, uh, and yeah, talking about Zhang, it was his uh, sixth challenger final, uh, his fourth already this summer. Uh, absolutely insane. Um, on his road there, he beat uh, Maxime Janvier, Ilya Marchenko, Robin Hasse, and Harold Mayo. Uh, he moves up 19 spots, number 138. 
uh, yeah, what what do you think that Zhang, uh, like, what do you think the main takeaway for Zhang is after this week? Well, it's very nice to see that he just translated this to hard instantly. I mean, we kind of knew that because he, in the, in the past, he used to be a very good hardcore player. Maybe this is actually where we'll, um, where we'll uh, give you the the interview because I think I I asked him about his like surface preferences there. So so let's go with that now. Uh, I wanted to ask you on which surface you would feel most dangerous right now because you had this amazing success on clay in the last month, but into back in 2019 you were mostly a hardcore player when you won these two challengers in China. Yeah. So the question is the uh, which surface do you feel most most dangerous? I don't know. In 2019, I feel uh, hard is more dangerous for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, this year, I didn't play good in the beginning of the year indoor hard. I think it wasn't a good choice for me to play the mm -hmm. indoor hard. Maybe it's different than outside hard. It's quite different. And I think I will be better and better on hard uh, because at the moment, I will say... Just at the moment, because we see these two matches, maybe I will say clay court is a little bit better, but I think the hard court, my level is getting up, it's trying to get in better. I saw you with someone from the Lubicic Tennis Academy, is this an, a new thing for you, or have you been training there for long? No, I was always uh, Lubicic all the time, I mean, since from uh, 2015, uh -huh. he just made a, a new academy at the moment, so, I mean, now, I mean, it's a new academy, so I just can, I can come if I have a time, especially um, in this... Uh, period because um, the COVID things in China still have a quarantine so it's tough to go back so for me it's the base I can put the base there traveling like a translation so it's much better for me. And I saw you practicing with Maximilian Martere you had this loss oh, so, to him. Sorry again? I saw you practicing with Maximilian Martere yes. you had this loss to him in Braunschweig and I just wonder if this was very tough for you to get over it mentally because you know eight match points and all. Well, that one, that, that match, it is very tough for me to lose because it is, I mean, I think everyone if who had an eight match point or seven match point and then you lost also serving, serving for the match, like 40-15, kind of like this, everyone will be upset. But um, I will say because, because of that match, it makes me a little bit more strong. And then that's why after the, those few weeks are... I mean, I play quite tough, so, I mean, one hand is lost, but another hand is, is making me strong. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, as you heard, I mean, he, he said he probably still prefers hard courts to clay, even after his, his recent month. Very nice quote to uh, about the the martyr loss there, where he where he thinks that, that that made him strong, even though he lost it with, you know, blowing eight match points, which must have been really tough. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed his play this week, of course, from Ludenscheid onwards. He's just been so fun. He's been just, you know, just showing his quality that I didn't really think he had. I know I know a lot of people who um, actually actually believed in Zhijian Zhang back in the day, uh, thought he had that top 100 quality. Now, now it's very, very clear to see that. Yeah, it, it, it's just a shame that he couldn't really problem solve in the in the final. He he came out with this good plan, but when Mahach responded to it, he just didn't know what to do anymore. And I guess that's fair. I mean, not everyone not everyone has that sort of high tennis IQ. I think he's still too too good of a ball striker to 
to not to break the top 100 at some point, probably this year, since he's not defending anything. We'll see actually how both of these guys react to playing US Open qualifying because they 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 they, they are not going to get much time between the yeah. be, between Kozerki and between the between New York. I, I don't know when they had their plane tickets. Maybe the organizers can actually schedule them for Wednesday if they if they will pay attention to it, if they react to such um no, to such ideas such um, ideas from the players because they, they probably should and then and then both Zhang and Mahaj are actually serious candidates to qualify. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm very curious to watch these guys in, in the Yosipa qualifying, although as you said, uh we're not sure how much time they're going to have to prepare once they're there. Uh let's talk about our semifinalists that we had in Kozerki. Let's start with Harold Mayo. Uh, who almost sort of surprisingly followed up this this run that he had in Tampere, which which was sort of we we wrote it off maybe a little bit when it happened because it was such a weird run. Uh, but here he was in Kozerki beating Materer, Yerzyanovic, and Gabriel de Camps before losing to Zhang, uh, making the semifinals here. What did you think of Harold Mayo? Yeah, I, I I think his ceiling might be a bit higher than we thought, mostly as he seems to have really improved his serving. And maybe we'll actually start with the interview because we we definitely covered that there. So, great news! Can you tell me what does it mean to you to to beat Yerzyanovic, who you probably watched on TV as a yeah. kid, I guess? No, it was a good match. You know, yeah, I was watching it on TV when I was young. I was I see him play in uh, Bercy. Yes, yeah, see him play in the Bercy when I was young. Yeah, it, it was I mean, you know, when you watch someone playing tennis when you are young and you like. You are a big fan of the sport. He was former 14 in the world. So, yeah. you, you served a lot of aces, actually even hit more than him. Yeah. Was it something that you've been working a lot on yeah, recently? Yeah, of course. Today it was one of the key. Uh, but I mean, I also improved a lot on my serve. The first match was better. Got my serve and today it was good. Actually, but in the second set I dropped my, my first serve percentage. I think it was maybe in the 50s or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to, to work again on that and, and uh, to improve. But today it was a good match against an amazing player. So I'm happy with the win. I think you also got much stronger physically than when, than, than when you were in the past. Uh, do you think it's an important part of part of your game? Of course, yeah. Of course, physically, I think I'm, I'm better uh, today than him. I think yeah. a little bit old. He don't play for five years, uh, four years. So, <laughs> so yeah, physically it's tough, you know. Uh, I was injured during one year and a half, and when you come back. And I'm 20 years old, so I get in the When you come back, it's a long way. You have to, you have to work a lot to, to spend a lot of hours on the court and on the fitness. In the fitness, so yeah, I think it's. I don't know if he's going to try to play again after this, but uh, but I think he's on the good way. We played three hours today, and uh, at the end we just see that he was a little bit, he was a little bit uh, tired, but he he fight a lot, and I think this is this one of the key also. So, so yeah, it was a it was a good match, and I think yeah the the key was physically also. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and as as you as you probably heard, I think that the two biggest differences in his game right now are the serve and the physicality. He gained a lot of muscle. He's well in the third set against Janovic, who obviously isn't the fittest player on tour right now, but he he was the one who who prevailed in a in a very tight free setter when. No, the, the the conditions all week were really tough because it was it was so hot. Honestly, if we weren't allowed into the VIP stand, then I would probably die uh, 
uh, because on the on the regular seats the, the the sun was just too scorching and and it would have been a nightmare uh, and um, and the other one definitely the serve I don't think he is great at playing behind it like I think even if he has an advantageous position it's pretty hard for him to convert but the serve has got a lot of ace potential now it didn't really amount to anything in the in the match against Decamps but he was actually out acing Marterer out acing Janovic I think he was also out acing Zhang at least until a certain point I, I can't remember how it ended but it's it's just really uh, you know the, the placement the spot serving that that has improved a lot and obviously with Mayo's playstyle any three points he can get is is a wonderful thing for him so I think he's he's probably a, a bit more promising than we thought and I guess it makes sense because he 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 missed out on seven eight months something like that right he started his 2021 season in August so he 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 just really fell behind a bit but now he's back up. Uh, I don't think this time next year we're going to be talking of him about a uh, no, top 100 debut or something. Uh, but but clearly uh, a very positive week and showing that the Tampere run was perhaps not as accidental as we believed it was. Yeah, for sure. And our other semi-finalist who was possibly more, more of a surprise uh, there. Uh, Skander Mansuri started, started as a qualifier beating Jan Wojcik and Luke Johnson. In the main draw, he beat Michal Mikula, uh, then Max Kashikowski, who I thought had uh, like a great potential run to the semifinals in this draw. <clears throat> but uh, he went in the second round. <coughs> he also beat uh, Vatokin uh, before losing to Mahach. His first challenger semifinal, he had never even made a quarterfinal before. Uh, his first challenger main draw went since Salinas last season. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Mansuri? Yeah, maybe we'll just start with the interview there. That's after his quarterfinal win over Patutin, I believe. Yeah. So this is your first challenger semifinal. How does it feel to, to get to that stage? Well, it feels great. I I was working towards... Uh, I mean, I hope I'm getting better and better results. And uh, this is a path of where like I want to go. And I'm glad to, to get through today. Do you feel like you've improved any particular aspect of your game this year? Because you've made a lot of firsts, you know, bre breaking the top 300, making all these ITF finals. Well, I think I'm uh, maturing a little bit. I, uh, I'm 27 years old, but I think I'm pretty young on the on the tour because I've college, spent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I went to college, and then there was Corona a little bit. So now I'm excited. I've made some mistakes. I'm, I've learned from them, and I'm, I hope I'm on my on the right path. You've had this intense rivalry of Aziz Tugas this year. I wonder how was the experience of playing the same guy three consecutive weeks in the finals? Uh, well, uh, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine. And, uh, well, it's not really a rivalry because in, uh, mm -hmm. I think in our sport it's more of an individual sport. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. Like, we were playing in Tunisia and seeing each other in the finals is probably, like, a good achievement for both of us. So, Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, and um, Mansouri... Honestly, I mean, he, he made eight, eight ITF finals this year. And this in this case, it actually shows because he he has that aggressive quality to him. Uh, amazing serve. He can really just end, end points very quickly. Uh, he goes to the net a lot, has a lot of forward intent. And as, as you said, I also thought that Kashnikovsky was probably going to be the one making the semis here. Uh, but it turns out that one of the qualifiers was actually so dangerous that he made the semis himself. 
and uh, especially against Max, I think he had a perfect performance, just incredible on serve there. I think he was on eighty over eighty percent in both first and second. Uh, also serving at a very high percentage in you know just hitting the first serve, uh, which very, really helps with his game. Uh, who knows how it would have ended if if he finished that second set against Mahaj. Uh, but it looks like Mansuri will play a bit at the challenger level. Like the the baseline game just isn't really at the quality that would probably allow him to regularly contend for titles. Like when they actually play a rally. When they actually played the rally, him and Mahaj, that was a bit of a mismatch. But you know, he, he, if he serves well, if he's just able to finish all these points in two, three shots uh, on serve at least, then then he's certainly very dangerous. And um, and yeah, yeah, I'm certainly curious to see where he goes from here. Uh, obviously, 53 wins already this season. Uh, he's talented. 27, maybe a, a bit of a late bloomer after after college as well and everything yeah but uh, he actually uh, in the in the interview we just had he said that um even though he's 27 he believes he's pretty young on the tour because of uh, college because of covid so i guess maybe uh, you know maybe when you put it that way he's actually just starting out sort of yeah uh another guy that was sort of interesting uh in kozerki was gabriel de camps uh, who started with a with a wild match against Alexi Krutich, uh, 11-9 in the third set tiebreaker, uh, before he took out my pick for the title, Sebastian Ofner, in the second round, then lost to Mayo. Uh, I believe we have an interview with him, right? Yeah, we do. Uh, maybe we can just yeah, let's just, let's just get get to it right away. Um, yeah, so yeah, uh, in the first round we played this player against Krutik, and here it was straight sets, but I don't think it was easy, was it? Well, it was a very tough match against a very good player. Uh, in challengers, every match is tough. There's no easy matches. Everyone has an extreme high level, so I just kind of keep focused, play point by point tough, and just just be tricking those in those important moments and just keep going. College tennis is an increasingly popular path to professional success as well. Mm -hmm. I think even in South America, it's it's grown a lot recently. So could you tell me the story on how you how you became admitted, how you decided to to go to the University of Central Florida? Yeah, I mean, um, college for me was very important. I was I wasn't mature enough at 18 years old. I didn't have a good mentality yet to play pro because the professional circuit is very tough. It's very demanding mentally. So for me, I I grew, I grew up a lot there. I was by myself. Um, no parents. I was. I had to I had to find ways just myself, so it made me stronger, it improved me as a person, as a player. And mentally obviously it's very tough, it's a lot of pressure in college. And I don't know if you saw some college matches, but mm -hmm. it's a lot of noise, very loud, so it definitely improves you mentally. And in the next round you could play Jezianovic, would that be something special for you or does it not matter who the next opponent will be? It doesn't matter, but obviously it will be special and to play a guy with so many qualities, big serve, hit semis of Wimbledon, was top 15, so I want to play against the best and I want to get better every day, so that's my goal. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, uh, as you said, Mayo made the made the quarterfinals. Honestly, against Deca, uh, against Ofner, it just felt like the two were playing pretty much the same, like the, the match was so even. And it, it makes sense because Decamps is a bit of a, like his movement isn't the best, but he's got that big serve. He can actually rally. Uh, I think a lot of people underestimate that. And yeah, and he he might as he could have really beaten Mayo. It, it also was pretty tight. 
Uh, I think this, you know, he's also one of the guys who just, you know, I mean, Mansuri, Mansuri finished college a lot of years ago already, but Dekams has literally just graduated like a year ago. And he's been on a very, a very steady path, um, rising from the ITFs last year to making his first challenger steps this year. And I think this was just another another solid week showing that he's he's capable of staying there. He's capable of being there. Uh, some nice quotes in there from him about how he wasn't really mature enough at eight, 18 years of age, and you know how college made him make him the player that he is right now. Yeah, uh, and talking about somebody who who took out our picks, uh, Hamad Medvedevich took out your pick. Kamil Mikrajak, uh, perhaps a bit of a surprise that he then lost to Robin Hase. Uh, but yeah, what did you think of uh, Medvedevich? Yeah, we also have an, an interview with him, obviously after the win against Mikrajak. So let's just uh, let's just start with it. Yeah, so fantastic win for you. Can you tell me how you feel feel about it and how you what what do you think about what you showed on the court today? Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm feeling amazing. I beat a top hundred player, and uh, I was playing. I was playing a good tennis, you know. I was playing at my level. Some uh, some things could be better, but you know, he's also an amazing player. So I'm really happy with the win. The crowd sort of tried to carry him through, but you seem to have this insane belief in yourself and confidence on the court. Does it also look like that from from your perspective? Uh, I mean, yeah, for sure. Any crowd at the home, when the home home player is playing, would support him and try to carry him, of course. And this is all normal. It was, you know, fair play. They were fair play, so I'm happy, and I have no problems about this. Uh, and I have to ask you about Novak Djokovic and yeah. your relationship with him. Could you tell me something about it? Like, how would you describe, you know, what he means to you? Uh, yeah, I'm playing. I'm practicing at his center for two years, and uh, obviously, I'm, I have an amazing relationship with him. Nola is such a good guy, you know. He's he's on the ground, and uh, our relationship is he's he's my mentor, you know. We are we are texting. You know, he's texting to me, asking me if I need something, you know, giving me some advices. And I'm really happy, you know, that I have uh, the best player of all, of all time to be my mentor. Thank you. Yeah, Congrats again. Yeah. And uh, Medvedevich played a perfect match against Mike Shag, honestly. I think Kamil was still not uh, back to his best after the injury. Uh, I think he his performance was really subpar. But against this version of Medvedevic, he, he he just needed to be better. Uh, I didn't know how Medvedevich was going to translate his clay game to hard courts. That was uh, a real unknown because I think he only played on the ITF tour on on hard courts. Uh, but it turns out that you know, with the serve that he has, with how the ball explodes off his backhand, uh, even the the long backswing on the forehand didn't really seem to matter much. Like it was, uh, it absorbed pace well. It it didn't really, it wasn't really rushed by Mike Shack or anything. Uh, so, so just a stellar performance, but then he looked really fatigued in the in the second round against Hasse. I don't know if it's um, you know it, it's been a concern with him, I guess, fitness. Uh, like <laughs> even recently, he when he when he had this amazing run, he was retiring from matches. He had a, a walkover. Uh, it, it it seems like he's constantly struggling with health. And Hasse is just a really smart guy, you know. Hasse just. Uh, both against Zhuk and against Medvedevic, and for a while against Zhang, he was using the slice to mix up the rhythm a lot. He was serving extremely well. Medvedevic was even talking about something like, um, I mean, it wasn't Serbian, but 
um a friend told me that he was he was talking about Isner during that match so I, I i think it's clear what he meant that Hase was just serving this well that he couldn't do anything and, and yeah Hase just showed that that great tennis iq with which he could uh disrupt rhythm enough to keep medvedevich of balance something that mike shuck couldn't do which is i guess a bit sad <laughs> but but yeah, uh, as I said, Mike Shack was coming back after an injury and just honestly drew probably the, the toughest guy out of the unseated players. I mean, you, you could probably argue that, I don't know, someone like Janovic or maybe Jean-Vier was similarly tough, but uh, but Mike Shack was just, you know, just just drawn uh, uh, too, too good of a player to, to survive that first round in the form that he was in. But but yeah, then Medvedovic... I don't know. He he just kind of looked gassed from the very beginning against Hasse, and and yeah, uh, he took a medical timeout at uh, three four in the second, which actually made Hasse lose his mind a bit. It was like the classic case of uh, a player realizing that the opponent is uh, is injured and then just totally losing the plot for a moment. Mm -hmm. But he studied the course. So yeah, yeah, and we should obviously also talk about uh, Yerjianovic. Uh, getting his first challenger tour win of the season uh, and since i don't even know when uh, i forgot to check but he 2020 beat, uh, uh final yeah. uh, semi i mean semi-final against vesely yeah so it's definitely been uh, you know a long while for him he beat chego silver's build lost to mayo uh yeah what did you think of his level this week how would you compare it to those ideas that where he had mm -hmm. you know those losses to kielan and kashnikovsky uh, yeah, where do you think he goes from here going forward? Yeah, unfortunately, the, the Bitom and Wrocław ITFs weren't streamed, so I can't really compare it you know, that way. I can only go by what people told me. And, I mean, they said it wasn't pretty. <laughs> uh, it wasn't clay, too. So uh, so I think that was a big factor. I, I, I saw him in Bitom and I saw him in Poznań. And it was, the especially the match against Save of Field, it was just night and day. Uh, that was that was really an incredible performance in terms of how he was serving, in terms of how devastating the forehand was. Uh, and I was very optimistic ahead of the, the match against Mayo. It didn't work out this way, mostly as uh, well, mostly as he just wasn't uh, playing as well. I mean, he, the, the serve didn't do him that much. Like the, the serve didn't even give him that much against Mayo. Uh, I think he was, for the most part, he was uh, winning like 55-60% of his first serve points, which is wild. Uh, as I said before, Mayo even out-aced him, 14-13, uh, to 13, but I mean, it, it still shows that, uh, you know, someone like Mayo was able to keep, keep up with Janovic in terms of aces. Uh, he just really wasn't getting much for free, and his shot selection, his uh, direction choices, uh, they really were very wild especially at the beginning of the match the the accuracy on the surf plus one forehand that he had against sable field was gone and i think if he won this it would have been a massive massive confidence boost because he, he just really wasn't playing that well and to to have a match like this in front of the crowd as well because um well we talked about it a couple of weeks ago that uh, we're probably not going to met, get, get much crowd in, in Kozerki because of uh, the remote location. But during Janovic's matches, less so during Kashnikovsky's, the, the, there were actually a lot of people there. Uh, then after they went out on Friday, it was a, a big crisis. But during the weekend, some people came. But anyhow, uh, yeah, the, the atmosphere was great. It was just amazing from a 
from a perspective of a guy who watched Tiaz Janovic a lot as a kid, I think in the early days of me following tennis, he was a very important part of that. And uh, to to see him in a in a thriller like that, even though he was, uh, you know, he had some temper tantrums, he was fighting with the umpire a lot. Uh, he was still giving an incredible effort. Like the, the 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 fighting spirit that he had was was great, and it was just awesome, just from a purely fun perspective to to see that, even if he lost that. Um, yeah. And yeah, I I just uh, regret uh, that. I mean, the, the only regret I have is that if he won, I feel like it would have really like kickstarted his his return. I think I I think it would have been an amazing uh, thing for his mentality. But um, right now he he received a wild card to Sevilla uh, in a month, and I thought this this would mean that he was also going to play Stettin, But I actually talked to someone from from the organization of this of this event and he might not even get a wild card uh because wow. they they only have three and one has to go to this is a tradition to the polish national champion so michalski one has to go to the best player of the whole tour that we have this summer uh which will probably be kashnikovsky uh, unless Chash wins uh, Poznań uh, 25k this week, and then it's like a 50-50 between the two because Chash would have more points, but it's it's not it's not really a, a mathematical equation. But uh, you know the the tournament director of Stadin decides that. Uh, and the third wildcard, they're actually trying to bring someone from the top 50, and the guy said that it was like a bomb, that it was so good that you know if if it works out. Uh, then I'm going to be extremely happy. I don't know, uh, but if if that if this doesn't work out, then they they are going to try to sell the wild card. And if they don't, then that then that's where Janovic comes in. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they would have given him a wild card to the qualifying, but I just doubt Janovic will want to play that. Uh, yeah, and the bomb. I think. I mean, I, he he wasn't going to tell me what, what you know. He didn't want to tell me who it was. I think looking at uh, the top fifty. And like who could realistically play on clay after the US Open, a challenger one to five. I don't know if, uh, you know, I didn't look at uh, who plays Davis Cup uh, that week, but I think some realistic answers are like Musetti or Davidovich Fokina, maybe Diego Schwartzman, <laughs> but that's, that's probably, that's probably a bit too much. Out of those, only Davidovich Fokina is not nominated for Davis Cup. Oh, so, Mus- so both Musetti and, and Schwartzman are. So is it, but is Davidovich Fokina like that much of a name? So he would. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like he sort of is at this point. You know, he's a very exciting player, and he played uh, stretching before. Uh, I think he lost to Gasquet in the in the final, two thousand seventeen or something like that. Uh, so yeah, okay, and that's a, that's a bit of a shame that Musetti and uh, and Schwartzman are are nominated because these were the two, uh, you know. I was I was really hoping for actually Davidovich Fokina is nominated as well. Oh, is he is, is he as well? Oh, yeah. Well, then I'm really not sure who who's so going there's, to be. So there's there's really like no options there. I mean, Runa would be would have been an option, but he played last year, so I'm sure he would be he wouldn't be calling it like a bomb or anything because well he played last year. Is Sebastian Baez nominated? He is as well. I don't know. Um, I, uh, yeah. I I guess we'll just have to wait and see. the The last couple of Stachin editions, it was Albert Ramos Vinolas uh, playing. So I'm I'm sure this time he's not talking about <laughs> about it because you know that the 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 whole mystery wouldn't really be 
uh, wouldn't really be the case there. I'm, I'm very curious who it's going to be because that, like, I'm I'm curious who out of these guys that are not playing Davis Cup that are in the top fifty yeah. could be considered a bomb. I hope That's... it works out because the the tournament apparently also has a lower budget compared to previous years, so they're not going to be able to pay you know a huge appearance fee to the guy. So uh, I hope it works out. If it doesn't work out, then maybe I'll I'll uh, I'll find out who who it was at the tournament. But yeah. but yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, and do we have anyone else? I think I also uh, talked to Ilya Marchenko, who obviously is a uh, is a very interesting interviewee with the with the YouTube channel and you you know the the, the whole personal brand that he built for himself. So. Uh, let's just go with it. This is obviously after his first round win against Ergi Kirkin because that was the, the only win he had this week. Uh, yeah, so the challenger schedule has gotten uh, really clay-oriented recently. So does it really help you to have a hardcore event pretty close to home here? Well, it's, I'm, hey, I'm, I hate clay with all my heart. Uh, of course, I'm always happy to have some more hardcore challengers. And uh, uh, as far as I remember, this is the first time uh, the yeah. tournament here. So, yeah, it's good that we getting those events uh, during summer because yeah as, as you said uh, during summer I mean in general during the season we have like two two times at least two times more clay court challengers than hardcore challengers so yeah I'm happy to be here and I'm happy with my well, with my win. Did it also really help you in this matchup against Kirkin because you lost to him on clay a couple of months ago? Well to be honest uh, I think I should have won that match it's <laughs> but yeah he fought till the end and he won it he deserved to win but yeah, today I think he was struggling a bit uh, with this weather, with uh, humidity, and uh, because he he has to run more than I do during our matches because uh, he's far behind and he's defending most of the time. Uh, he's probably served. He's not uh, giving uh, him that many three points. So yeah, he, he he looked tired in the second set. I was tired as well, but I mean, I was controlling a bit more the game, so it was easier for me to recover between the points. You've built yourself a very nice personal brand with the YouTube channel. I wonder if it's something that you're only working on during your career, or do you also hope to be working on, on YouTube also after you retire? Uh, well, to be honest, I don't know. It's uh, mm -hmm. I started like a hobby. I like to uh, I like to edit videos. I like to learn something new and. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, t I'm doing a bit less now because uh, you know got lazy and uh, my videos are getting more complicated, uh, you know, to to make. And then uh, yeah, I think I made last one like months ago, and uh, the next one is in the production, and I'm not sure <laughs> when it's coming out. So uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, uh, I like to be in the front of a camera, and uh, if it's uh, something I can do after my career, I would be I would be very happy to. If not, uh, probably stay as a hobby and uh, we'll see where it goes. And maybe last thing, because there was, there was this incident in Cincinnati a couple of days ago. Uh, have you heard about it uh, the, with the Ukrainian flag? Uh, well, uh, I prefer not to uh, not to say my opinion mm -hmm. before I know all the facts. Uh, I'm not sure about uh, the rules in general in the uh, United States, because uh, I remember like five or maybe like seven, eight years ago, uh, I know at the U.S. Open they were it was forbidden to have any flag mm -hmm. uh, on a stand. So our spectators were told to take their flags away. Uh, they said like T-shirts with a with a logo with a sign, so there's no problem. But flags is was an issue. I don't know what was an issue in this situation in Cincinnati, 
if it was just because it was Russian player, I don't know who actually played Russian Potapova, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was uh, because of that uh, the referee decided to, uh, I mean, to ask to take the flag away or I don't know. So it's tough uh, for me to, to, to tell my opinion. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I don't know if there was anything that I should talk about there. Uh, honestly, he was he was pretty solid. Uh, as you heard, he felt like he should have beaten Kirkin at Shimkens this year as well on clay. This is really a nice matchup for him. He gets to dictate a lot. Uh, and his first serve just looked uh, very nice against Zhang and allowed him to keep it so close yeah, in the, that, in the that, second that first it was That first it was pretty tight. I was I was surprised by how well Magic was holding up in that first. Obviously, he fell off after seeing yeah. it, but... Yeah, I, I was impressed for for a guy who has you know eleven wins on the season. Uh, it was it was better than I expected, even though obviously, uh, usually he's forced to play on clay and he hates it just so so much. Yeah, uh, me me too. And I was actually expecting that like the the physical advantage would be so huge in that in that matchup as well that that Zhang just can't lose to Marchenko, and it turns out he probably could. Uh, and and it's good that you mentioned clay because he he also talked about it in the interview. Of course, I. Uh, I watched a, a YouTube video of his recently where he was asking players about it, like why is Challenger so Challenger, why are, why are Challengers so clay oriented right now? And it it's really something that's uh, changed with the pandemic because before we used to have more hardcore defense, and right now the the balance has really shifted into into clay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We, we should also mention the doubles uh, in Kozerki. Where we had the top two seeds meet in the final, all four seeds in the semifinals. It was pure, pure chalk. Uh, and it was ultimately Robin Hasse and Philip Oswald uh, winning 6 3, 6 4 over Ubonis and Fabian Rebou. Hasse and Oswald, two of the most experienced uh, guys that you'll see on the Challenger Tour. Uh, and yeah, I believe we have an interview with them, right? Yeah. Let's, let's get to that right away. Uh, so as you said, you have a very strong record as a pairing. So what's the what's the secret behind it? What do you think is the is the m m biggest asset of you, of you as a team? Well, I think we have great chemistry on and off court. Uh, that is already a lot. <laughs> that means a lot already for a team, and uh, we trust each other. Um, and of course, I mean, Robin had a fantastic career, like singles, doubles, and uh, uh, he's just such a complete player. So it's very easy to team up with him, from my point of view. Yeah, and I think also we know what what our strengths are, so we can um, we can combine the two very good, and I think that helps. And we kind of know what the other person will do in certain situations, so um, the other one can always be one stroke ahead. So that's uh, that and helps. we speak the same language because he speaks German as well. Yeah. Uh, well, we 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 did. We only played actually on this is the first hardcore tournament we played. We played. Uh, Win final and semi final and ATP turns on clay, so uh, we we like we like we like all, so it's okay. And Robin, do you think in the future you're gonna be uh, in a couple of years you're gonna be doubles only like Philip has been for years, or is it something that you feel like you know if you're not playing singles then you're not playing? Yeah, right now if you ask me, I would uh, mm -hmm. if I stop I I maybe play half a year the doubles, mm -hmm. uh, but I I don't see myself playing for years. But uh, you never know what the future brings if you miss it, how the situation is at home and, and all your life. So um, it's very hard to give a straight answer. But if, if, I have, if I have to say right now, then I'll probably just stop. Mm -hmm. Thank you, guys. Thank you
Yeah, and um, yeah, then this was their fourth event together. They made at least the semifinals in three main tour events, actually all in clay, one in 2019 and one in uh, 2022. I remember looking in the in the doubles here, I remember looking at their match against Jewieski Niklas Salminen when the draw came out, and I was like, oh, that's a nasty draw for both. Uh, I, I remembered that Hasse and Oswald had this amazing Stadtkitz-Bihel run this, this week, uh, sorry, this year. Uh, but then I figured that maybe the, the difference in class wouldn't show, but it actually did. And yeah, that this is just a very good pairing from the baseline compared to compared to most others, I think. They obviously serve well uh, too. And in the in the interview, you've heard them talking a lot about their chemistry. Also Hasse saying that he's not really planning a, a doubles only career. That yeah. he uh, yeah, that, that if he stops playing singles, he's probably gonna only stick around for maybe like half a year. But that's but he also said that's uh, that's his answer right now, that it might change in a few years, depending what what the situation will be. I actually thought he might want to uh, play doubles only for a while because well, he's been amazing at that. He, he seems very well set up for it with, with his ranking. Obviously, his singles exactly. ranking is dropping still around the top 60. Uh, or top 50 maybe even in doubles uh, so that is a bit of a surprise also funnily enough uh, Hassan also beat both Red Bull and Nice uh, separately in those <laughs> rounds in, in Gestad and, and Kizbio they beat Nice and Zielinski in the first round of Gestad and Dumbia Red Bull in the quarters of Kizbio so oh, yeah the, they mentioned uh, one of the guys I mean I guess I, I can't remember if it was Red Bull or Nice but they uh, they mentioned it during the trophy ceremony, but the way they said it, I thought they was they were playing together already there. I, I didn't realize that it was separately because he said he, you beat us. Uh, he so so I figured that maybe this was the first week that Dumbia Dumbia wasn't around. Uh, two more things I think. Um, well, I just forgot one that I that I was supposed to mention. Uh, but but one is uh, if you were to guess. When was the last ATP ATP uh, tour event on on outdoor hard court in Europe played? Uh, <laughs> why is I what? <laughs> Hold on. So it, it, it like like main tour event outdoor hard yeah. in Europe. I actually don't have the answer. I'm just uh, curious what what your guess is. This is this is sort of weird to me. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything. Yeah, someone pointed this out to me, and it's really been like at I mean, since two thousand nine, there haven't been any. That's for sure because that's when the ATP two fifty category was introduced, right? Uh, and like ATP five hundred and all. And I checked that, and there hasn't been any. Uh, it's really uh, <laughs> you, you don't really think about it, but the the way. Uh, the tour is structured. There's a lot of play on outdoor hard courts. Obviously, you have two outdoor hard court slams. We have so much, uh, so many big events as well, like uh, Shanghai. Well, maybe not anymore, but um, Indian Wells, Miami, Cincy, Canada. They're all on outdoor hard courts. But in Europe, it's actually a struggle to even maybe find practice courts like that. And we only have nine challengers on the circuit, I think, uh, that are on outdoor hardcourt in Europe. Uh, there, there's a few in Spain, of course. There's some in France, but these are uh, a lot of a lot of them are new events as well. Uh, the Cassis, Saint Tropez, and all. I mean, Cassis maybe isn't new, um, and Kozerki, of course, is a is a fresh is a fresh event. Uh, the the courts were built last month. 
but uh, yeah, it, it's really shocking when you when you think about it that we actually don't really play on outdoor hardcourts in Europe at all. And this year, there's going to be uh, well one of the Italian ATP 250s that was added instead of the China swing uh, is going to be on outdoor hardcourts. I think it's Naples. I think Florence yeah. is in indoors. Yeah. When you think about it, even the US has like a gimmick red clay event in Houston every yeah. year. Uh, and it's so weird that in Europe, we don't have a single uh, outdoor heart of it. That is just so weird to think about. That is weird to me. Yeah, yeah. Someone, someone pointed this out to me this weekend. I was also very, very stunned by it. Uh, and the, oh yeah, and the other thing I wanted to say, like, did you remember Robin Hasse being in a Grand Slam doubles final? When? 2013 Australian Open with Igor Seisling. I had no clue about it. Oh, wait, is, is, is that is that when they lost to Bolelli and Fonini? Uh, no, they lost to the Bryans. Bolelli and Fonini won two years after, I think, 2015. Uh, because 2014 was Kubot Lindstedt, for sure. Yeah, Haas and Seisling, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's also weird. I, I feel like in a couple of years, we'll talk about uh, Bublik and Golubev uh, like that. Possibly, possibly, yes. <laughs> All right, uh, I think we're done with Kozerki. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, should we go over to Vancouver? Sure. Uh, Constant Mastien, the fifth seed, uh, beat Artur Rinderknecht 6 love 4 6 6 3, his sixth challenger title of his career. Three and two in challenger finals uh, this season already. Incredible season that he's having. He beat locally Kepfer, uh, Vedasco, and Ugo Humbert, six four in the third in that in that semifinal. Uh, moves up nineteen spots to number number to number seventy five. His new career high ranking. He was up to number two in the challenger tour race. Uh, yeah, just an incredible season from us. An incredible run. What do you think of him? Yeah, he's really the true master of the cine crowds. Like winning four matches in deciding sets. Some of them, he didn't need them, especially the one against Umber. He was 4-1 up in the second there. But somehow he's actually winning all of these deciders. And and this, this I guess, has changed about last year, this, this year. Uh, but, but, you know, speaking like more, more realistically, he's turned his first serve into a weapon, which is, which is quite amazing. He's actually going to be on a, on a ridiculous deciding set run right now, 11 in a row, wow. uh, because he's 19 and two in the past, uh, in his past 21 matches, in his past five events, only losing to Ferreira Silva via retirement and to Grenier in that Segovia final where he was so, uh, so out of energy uh, near the end of it. And yeah, I, I didn't even realize 11 deciding sets in a row. So you can, you can really see how a lot of these runs could have gone the other way. Four yeah. deciders in Vancouver, four deciders in Malaga, and three deciders on the way to the final in Segovia. He won Pozo Blanco without dropping a set. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's insane. It's fantastic that he's getting that that run at 30 years old. Obviously, he has the talent, but he never really had the, the mental composure. He never had the focus. Now he sort of does, uh, even though he still does it you know, his own way. Uh, he is one of the most interesting grinders out there, that's for sure, <laughs> with with all the creativity that he that he also has in the in the middle of it. Uh, still, no, I don't know how this works out on the main tour. Uh, over in the long run, it probably doesn't, but we'll see. 
and it, I hope he has enough in the tank for US Open qualifying. Yeah, it's it's just incredibly, incredibly impressive for him to go and maximize his his talents at this age. Uh, surely, I mean, there has to be a bit of an air of like, is this sustainable? When you go and play so many third, third setters and you just win all of them, that's surely not sustainable in the, in the long run. Uh, but you know, who cares? It's it's a re it's really fun to watch. It's really great, uh, and I, th I think just incredibly impressive. Um, as for the finals, Lina Kunek, he was my pick for the title. Uh, his run had a shaky, shaky start for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, we went six four in the third with uh, Ayeni, who just was very good in that match. Uh, it just couldn't quite close it out. Uh, then Elias Imer had three match points in the second set tiebreaker uh, over in that connect, but he came back to win at six two in the third. Then he beat Berankis and Pospisil, um, and I thought that he, he had a decent chance going into the final, but could not. Get it? He was of six spots, number fifty-eight in the rankings, and it's his sixth career challenger final. Uh, yeah, what did you think of in that game? Yeah, the the first rounds were sort of the first couple of wins here were sort of similar to Poznan, where you got a point from him as well, uh, yeah. where uh, he was just not playing his best at all, but still winning, uh, and and he he fought through, and then he won these two uh, much better matches against uh, Berankis and Pospisil. But yeah, in the in the final, very weird opening set, which he dropped 6-0, lost zero five uh, at 0-5, he took a medical timeout. His forehand was just spraying errors everywhere. But then the next two sets he actually played like his, you know, like his usual self. Uh I guess a positive week for him, but it just still doesn't feel like Rinternech is playing quite as well as he was last year, which is a is a bit of a shame. Oh yeah, and one more thing about Lestien. Do you think he should have gotten the uh, French Tennis Federation wildcard for the US Open? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, with all due respect to, to Gohumbert, he's been doing uh, decently enough on, on these challengers. He's been, you know, I think maybe gaining some confidence. He's made three semis. Uh, but compared to where he's at right now and where, where Lestien's level is right now, it, it should have definitely gone to, to Lestien. Absolutely. Yeah, Obviously, I mean... he's had a controversial pass with the with the, I, I think it was betting that he was yeah. in for, right? Yeah, so, so so that may have also been a factor uh, in, in why he didn't get that wild card. Uh, but yeah, I mean, on, on terms of just who deserved it more, it's less than. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I can understand why they gave it to Umber. Obviously, he's the promising player there. He's the younger player there. Uh, but yeah, uh, even uh, especially after this title, it just looks kind of silly, honestly. Uh, I think Lestien was never really a favorite for the FFT because he was a late bloomer. Then, as you said, the gambling ban. Uh, where uh, important to mention that he never bet on his matches, but uh, but still, uh, it, it's still forbidden, of course. And and yeah, I I totally agree. I think like a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have said, okay, I I get it. But right now, it just really looks it looks silly. And especially as Lestien has actually never played a Grand Slam main draw, which kind of surprised me. Uh, he wow. played qualifying so many times, but never got through. Yeah, uh, we can go on to we we can go on to talk about Hugo Bear uh, as one of the semifinals here, beating uh, Shidek, then Wessler, three set battle against well three set match against uh, Mikhail Imer, uh, five seven six two six two. Uh, and yeah, his you know third uh, challenger semifinal since he's uh, dropped down to this level. 
after Pozoblanco and Segovia, he follows it, he follows it up on in Vancouver as well on the American hard, well, uh, North American hard courts. Um, but yeah, what did you think of Umber? What do you think his chances are going forward for the US Open and, and such? Yeah, I think uh, at the beginning of the run, he was probably looking a bit better than in Segovia and Pozoblanco. But I think at this point, another semifinal for him is a bit of a disappointment, especially as he's, I mean, he's been losing to all, only to Frenchmen, Barrer, Guerrier, and Lestien. And I feel like he, he needs to think that all these guys have don't have the talent that he has. And it, it has to be pretty frustrating. And it's just, well, it, it's just another indication of where, where Umber is right now, that it's not really a level that is a lot, that is going to allow him to, at least for now, uh, dominates challengers the way he was in 2018, 2019. He probably should just withdraw his wild card and allow Lestien to get it. <laughs> yeah, that is certainly unlikely uh, to happen. But yeah, I mean, you know, he he, he had a nice run at, at Wimbledon. He beat Casper Ruud. Uh, he had that big battle with Achilles. So, so I'm sort of I'm 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 excited to see what he what he shows at the U.S. Open at the at the bigger stage, but certainly you have to think that him not being able to get a single final out of, out of these three events is a bit of a disappointment, for sure. Yeah, he re- he needs that Grassmasters thousand that they're planning. Yeah, uh, when, <laughs> when this gets around, he, he probably will have a much better career than he is right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and our other semifinalist was Basek Pospisil, uh, making his best results since February, uh, so since that, that shoulder injury. Uh, he beat Felipe Melgeni Alves, Jordan Thompson coming back from the set down, Gilles Simon in the quarterfinals before losing to Torin Uh Yeah, just how encouraging do you think this run was for, for Paul Spiegel? Yeah, a very, especially in that he played four matches without getting injured, which really has been a, a problem for him recently. Uh, he's definitely a, a player that uh, you know, can feed off the energy of the crowd, plays very well at home. Uh, and this was a, a pretty solid run. I mean, beating Thompson and Simo, that's still, on, on hard courts, that's still uh, a pretty big thing, especially with where Fasek is right now. Yeah, and I also wanted to mention Joe Simon uh, making the quarterfinals here. Certainly a, a shock to me, I think, uh, after, after this uh, losing streak that he's been on, uh, which was uh, seven matches, I believe. Yes, seven matches since then Bosch. Uh, including losses to Charles Broom, uh, Lucas Neumayer, <laughs> guys like this. But here he comes into Vancouver, uh, beats Ulysses Blanche, beats Yiji Veseli, uh, 7-6 in the third, uh, before losing to Pospisil. Yeah, 37 years old. Any thoughts on Gilles Simon here? Yeah, I don't really understand like what's going on with Gilles Simon this year <laughs> because he randomly plays a good event and then just you know descends back into this awful state. And what's uh, I, I guess like looking at the at his records right now, I what I most don't get is how he made French Open third round, then had Pogenbosch second round, and obviously he's a fantastic grass player. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually played very well against Medvedev in the in the second round, and then loses to Brum and Idukovic to end his grass season. I, one against each, yeah, just insane. <laughs> very very weird uh, year from um, Michel Simon, but. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's meant to retire next French Open, right? Or, or at least that's the. That's I think the, at the end of the season. I think this was his last oh, yeah, French oh, yeah, Open. Yeah, because yeah, he had the ceremony at the French Open, but he retired. Yeah. The season. 
yeah well i mean that now you can at least feel like it's been sort of worth it because i feel like as since that then bosch ran just seven like like six first round losses after that he must have been thinking oh i should have just uh, yeah it. <laughs> but yeah you, you know who, who knows what he brings out uh at, at the rest of the for the rest of the season you never know uh anybody else from the singles you want to talk about here probably not so we can go over to the doubles where the third seats, Andre Goranson and Ben McLaughlin won a very, very tight final, 6-7-7-6-11-9 in the super tiebreaker over Tred Huey and JP Smith. Uh, very, very strong result for them. Um, second title in, in, in a row after winning Chicago. Uh, and yeah, certainly interesting uh, to see where they, where they take it going forward, Goranson and McLaughlin. And with that, I think we could go over to Santo Domingo, where I got my point this week. Pedro Cachin beating Margot Trujetti, 6-4, 2-6, uh, to win the final. Cachin's sixth challenger, challenger title uh, in his career, fourth this season, seventh final this season. He's been absolutely on fire. Uh, he becomes the, the sole uh, challenger race number one. He's been tied with Quentin Alice until this week, but obviously he's broken away now. Um, moving up 22 spots, number 66, uh, which is just insane if you told somebody uh, at the beginning of the season that you'd think that he would be number 66 in the rankings. It's been absolutely wild from Kachin. Uh, on his run this week, he beat uh, Melser, Genesi, Mena, all very easily in straight sets. Then he had a three-hour uh, classic against Tomas Martin Echeverri, 4 4-6, 7-6, 6-4. Uh, and he's, he held his nerve in the final as well, 6-3 in the third. Yeah, what did you think of Kachin this week? Yeah, green clay certainly suits him um, with, the, with the big serve, with the, well, the attacking baseline game that he has, even though it's quite quite basic in, in like the repertoire that he has. But uh, but this this gets rewarded on green clay, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. With guys like Kachin, Lestien, I just tend to think that it has to stop at some point, And then it's not. Uh, since Marbella, since the win over team, he's like a ridiculous 34 and 6 on the challenger circuit. <laughs> and yeah, he, he got into the top 70, which is, uh, I mean, for I spent most of last year talking about how Pedro Cachin was underrated anytime we brought him up. And then if you told me that he was going to make the top 70, I'd laugh so hard. Jesus, I mean, I, I thought he had like a top 150 potential, something like that. But never that he would dominate the challenger circuit this much. It just didn't seem like it was in his game at all. Uh, like with Lestien, I don't know if this makes sense on the on the main tour. Uh, in a way, we kind of already like the the early signs aren't amazing because he lost that much to Zapieri in Umag. He lost to Gaston very easily at at Ron Garros, but still made the second round. But you know, beating Gombos, so also a, a challenger player at this at this point. Uh, but yeah, with the ranking he has right now, 66, he's going to be able to play so many main tour events up until, well, basically up until he started dropping these points. So uh, so certainly very, a lot of time for him to get used to the higher level. And yeah, mm-hmm. he has, he is playing uh, the, the US Open, obviously, with the, he, he, he managed to um, get his ranking high in time to, to make the main draw. But he has a 14-20, I think, win-loss record uh, on hard courts in his career. So, yeah, that's also going to be... There's also going to be some learning curve there, for sure. Yeah, 
just incredibly impressive how he's been able to maximize his talent. Just absolutely wild. And I am curious to see, you know, next year, Clay season if, if he can get some results uh, uh, on, on the tour as well. Uh, as for our finals here, Marco Trujetti, I don't think either was either of us was really expecting him here. He's played the sort of spare, he's played quite, quite sparingly uh, this yeah. season uh, due, due to some injuries and stuff like that. But he already had a he already had a final against Kachin earlier in the season in, in Madrid, of course. Um, but this one was was a bit of a different run. Uh, he beat Comesaña, Delbonis, Carbaez Baena, and Galan all in straight sets heading into the final. Certainly gave a good account of himself there. Uh, still remains two and eight. Uh, so this was his ch- tenth challenger final. Uh, up 46 votes, number 180. So he gets to re-enter the top 200. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Trujetti this week? Yeah, I mean, uh, I had Carbais Baena as a pick, but I think I underestimated the effect of green clay. Like mm-hmm. the just the way it rewards more attacking players. And I think Trujetti showed it against him. Uh, Obviously, Marco had this amazing Saturday because the, because of rain delays, two matches, um, well, two rounds had to be played on Saturday, and he defeated Carbaez by and Galan in straights in one day. It it really doesn't get more impressive than that on the challenger circuit. Uh, couldn't quite take the final, but as you said, he just really hasn't played much this year. This is his ninth event only. Yeah. And there's already been a couple of retirements, there's been a couple of blowout losses. He just really struggled to stay healthy. But I, I, what I'm really interested in is his July, because between the French Open and San Marino, so the beginning of August, he didn't play a single professional match, but participated in eight Bundesliga <laughs> fixtures. So he yes. he, he was on the tour, but yeah, for Jake in the summer. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and actually lost six to six one to Gleb Sakharov, for example. That's, that's a weird one <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah on, on green clay he, he looked really good and obviously grandson qualifying is where he excels at uh it's gonna be a very quick surface change so i don't know if it's gonna work out this time but he actually qualified for the u.s open last year saving match points against uh, kovacevic and flying all over the court with the diving volleys so i'm uh, very excited to see him in new york again never underestimate marco trujeliti in grandstone qualifying yeah that's that's a very that's very true uh yeah as far as semi-finals that we had in santo domingo uh let's start with galan uh who beat uh, facundo juarez then had a crazy uh, third set tie breaking against Cedric Masov Stebe, where he saved uh, six match points to win, to win 13 11. Uh, then beat uh, Tirante in straight sets before losing to Trujeti on that on that Saturday. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Galan? Yeah, I think Galan made the top 100 mostly on his results from earlier this year, and like off late, he hasn't been that good. Uh, so, so this is certainly a very, a very reassuring run, even though it could have well ended in the in the second round. Of course, I think yeah. the the Tirante match was was certainly the the best one he had this week, and one where he played very aggressively with the with the forehand, which I think was the the best part of his game earlier that season. Yeah, and uh, the semifinals was Echeverri, uh, who got a walkover from Boscardin Diaz in the first round. He made- Boruchaga and Olivo, 6-4, 6-3 uh, in both occasions. Uh, and then played this very, very interesting match, I think, uh, against Petro Kachin. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Echeverri? 
Echeverry will just get to a clay semi-final, whatever happens. <laughs> He's shown that so many, on so many occasions <laughs> over the past year or so. A green clay, red clay, you know, whatever, whatever you throw him on. If it's clay, he's gonna make the semifinals, and, and yeah, he just keeps doing that. Yeah. Uh, anybody else we want to talk about in the singles? Probably not. Yeah. So you can go over to the doubles. The doubles was uh, a little bit disappointing, obviously because of the rain delays. There was a lot of walkovers, a lot of yeah. withdrawal. The singles guys catching a withdraw. Uh, Echeverri and, and Oliveri withdrew as well. Uh, so it was a bit of a mess all over the place. But out of the mess emerged Ruben Gonzalez and Riz Stolder, who pulled off a pretty big upset, I think, over the top seeds, uh, Nicolas Barrientos and Miguel Angel Reyes Varela, uh, 7-6-6-3 to take the title. Uh, yeah, very impressive week from those guys. Uh, and they, they only got one walkover on the on the way. And we should also mention, for sure, uh, Victor Estrella Burgos uh, coming out of retirement to, to play this event uh, in doubles with Petr Bertran, a fellow Dominican. And they beat Pura Vraja and Divi Sharan 6 7 7 6 10 6. Uh, very impressive. Uh, obviously, didn't, didn't manage it, lost to the eventual champions in straight sets in the quarterfinals. Uh, but yeah, any thoughts on the doubles that, that was in Dominica this week? Yeah, uh, I remember us, I mean, I guess it was mostly me talking about uh, how it's possible that Zdenek Kolaj has just has 16 or at that point he had 14 <laughs> or 13 challenger doubles titles and someone like Ruben Gonzalez has two when, uh, because this was around Poznan last year when Kolaj won the title. Well, Gonzalez mm -hmm. now has five, so, you know, my, uh, I have a little bit more peace of mind there. Uh, as you said, a pretty big upset in the final. Very, I got to watch a bit of that Estrella Burgos, uh, Bertrand. Actually, their loss, uh, but you know, it's still very cool to see uh, the 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 Dominican Republic legend play in front of the home crowd because he was also really good at this uh, throughout his career. Uh, and and yeah, they had some very fun moments in there. Yes, and with that, we can go over to match of the week and upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Uh, let's start with the match because I already have one in mind and upset I have to think about. And the, the match I want to pick is certainly going to be Mayo Verjanovic. Uh, great atmosphere, which was definitely a rarity in Kozerki this week because of the, the lack of crowds. And yeah, I, I, I just loved seeing Verjanovic in, in such a match where he was, where he really showed that he can fight for this. And I think throughout his career, a lot of people have... Um, well, have ridiculed him for you know playing video game games, for not caring about tennis, for training too little. And it's all true. I mean, the guy has scandalous amount of natural talent. And if this went into someone else, then maybe, uh, you know, maybe they maybe they would have made more with it. Uh, but still, to, to just see him actually fighting for this was was pretty insane. And uh, and yeah, but the, and the match was pretty high quality, even if even though he didn't really repeat that uh, that that performance from the opening round. Mayo was absorbing the pace of his forehand very well. Um, I said earlier that the surf battle on forehand lacked accuracy, but whenever Janovic actually was able to, I don't know, hit for two or three big forehands in a in a rally, then 
then it's still a super satisfying sight to watch. So yeah, this was a, a very great experience and I'm 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 so glad that I, I got this uh well that I got to experience it live because well with Janovic right now it's just really you, you never really know if maybe this is the last time you're seeing him in a thriller like this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very happy for you that you got to see him live, uh, especially in, in such a great match. Uh, for me, I'm going with Kachin over Echeverri. I feel like there, there was a good, there was a number of different candidates for for match of the week, but I feel like this was just the best one. Uh, Kachin incredible in that match. Uh, Echeverri fighting back well in the in the third set from I think it was he was uh, two five down and got a break back and made it interesting uh, towards the end, but Kachin prevailed. Uh, yeah, who are you going with for the upset of the week? Yeah, looking at what the bookmakers are saying, I mean, it was a very quiet week, upset-wise. I mm -hmm. think uh, the the highest one they have is Simon over Vesely. But I don't know, it's just, it's just really not satisfying to me. Actually, one of the biggest scores as well is Lestien over Hubert, which, which really shows how how much really? Hugo is, is still respected, yeah. Wow. About two two eighty for for Lestien, so, uh, so that that's pretty wild, yeah. But it just really shows how after the first three matches in Vancouver, Hugo was actually expected to raise the title. Uh I, I honestly am struggling to to come up with a pick here. I don't know. I, I don't want to go with Simon over Vesely. I mean, that didn't shock me so much because. Well, it's Vesely. I mean, the, in in recent years, his baseline game, his fitness hasn't haven't really been great. Uh, so maybe let's just go with Diallo over Bergs. Why not? I don't know that much about about Gabriel Diallo. I I've only seen him some bits of him in recent weeks, where he when he's you know showing up on the in the Canadian events. Uh, he won uh, an ITF this year over Andres Martins and beat Noah Rubin along the way. So obviously he can play, beat Duckworth in Montreal, but he was he retired to Gaston uh, the, the week before. And I certainly didn't think, thought that this was a, a pretty nice draw for Zizou to uh, to get to the second round. He was, I think the, the Belgian was also cramping in the, in the third set. So that sort of explains how it happened, but still a great win for, for the Canadian 20-year-old. Uh, yeah, I, I have actually gone with with Simon over Vesely. Obviously, Vesely is is you know not doing great this season, uh, but Joe Simon has just been so bad uh, <laughs> over over these past couple of months that I was I was surprised to see him uh, get a a decent win even. So yeah, de definitely uh, yeah. a bit quiet upset wise. I think a lot of people would have gone for Medvedovich and Mike Shark, but we probably just think too highly of Medvedovich too. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, and we can go to our previews, uh, our winner picks. I'm leading 17 to 12. Am I correct? Oh, I thought it was 15 to 10, but <laughs> I mean, it could be. It's certainly five points uh, for you. It, it escalated really quickly because like a month ago, we were almost even or even even, even even. <laughs> yeah, and, and right now we're totally, I mean, I'm totally screwed right now. So I have two options to go about it. I can either uh, start trolling or I can keep playing uh, really, you know, uh, reasonably uh, with reasonable options. And I think I'm going to do that uh, because, well, there's still a lot of time to catch up uh, and I probably shouldn't make a fool of myself anymore. 
yeah, it, it, it is actually 17 to 12. I just okay. checked the, the uh, but yeah, it, it's certainly it, the, the last couple of weeks have been have been very, very good to me. Uh, even this week with 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 Kachin. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. It should with, be with a rule team. that when you're not on the episode, you don't get to <laughs> you don't get to gain points. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's let's go to I guess pra- uh, Granby or Banja Luka. Where are we starting? Uh, yeah, let's let's start with with Banja Luka. It's the one that I've opened here first. Uh, a, a certainly rough draw here though for for Challenger eighty. Uh, but let's go through it. Nicolas Alvarez Varona is the top seed, ranks 223 at a Challenger 80. This is rough. They should have just scratched this event, honestly. But <laughs> here we go. Uh, he's playing Ena Casanova and then one of two qualifiers. Also, Nicolas Alvarez, uh, the Peruvian one, is in the in the draw. He's playing a qualifier. And then Lorenzo Justino or Jan Choinsky, who's here with a productive ranking. Uh, Damir Jumhur is in, in with a wild card. Uh, the third seed playing Yevgeny. Bondarenko, uh, then Philip Cristiano or a qualifier. In the section, we also have an interesting matchup, sort of. Otto Vitanen playing Luka Van Asch, uh, so that's, that's a fun one to watch. Winner gets to play Ivan Kakov or Nerman Fatic. Third section, we have Federico Ferreira Silva playing Gozalo Lama. Winner plays Lucas Midler or a qualifier. Uh, then we have Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo playing a qualifier, and then Dragos Nicolai Madaras playing Matvey Minin, who's in with the wildcard. I've not heard of him before. Uh, last section, Fabian Marojan plays Sebastian Fanselo, and then Viktor Durasovic or Johan Niklas. Mirza Basic plays Gonzalo Villanueva, and then Duya Aidukovic or Alexei Vatutin. Uh, I'm almost scared to look at the qualifying, but there are some interesting dates here for sure. I, I thought it would be worse. We have Kopeyans. Uh, Hassan, Topo, uh, Setkic plays Polichak, Sebos Wild is in here playing Neukrist. Uh Belucci was here but uh lost to, to Neukrist in the in the first qualifying round. Uh as for the doubles, the the, the Sabanov uh brothers are here. Um we also have Vitanen playing with Durasovic, that's an interesting one. Molchanov and Zelenai uh still on that quest for 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 history. Uh, for Igor Zelenai. Uh, but yeah, going back to the singles, who are you looking at as potential titleists? Talking about that quest, I forgot about it. One of the Ratiwatana brothers came back last week. Oh, oh uh, no. It's not Sonchat. Uh, I think it's Sanchai. Let me quickly pull it up. It was like an IT. I, I don't think it was a challenger, of course. I think it was an ITF. Yeah, uh, an ITF. I don't know where, but it was, uh, well, probably in Asia. <laughs> he played with uh, some guy in, in Jakarta in Indonesia. Yeah. Come again? Sorry. In in, in Jakarta in Indonesia, 15k. I see it. Oh yeah, now. yeah. And yeah. and he he played with Tanap at Chanta from <laughs> from Thailand, and they lost in the quarterfinals to Christopher Runkat, also a, a living legend. Anyhow, yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is related to the to Zelenai getting close to the record. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, yeah, as you said. Um, it's very weird that we get four challengers in in the same week as as Grand Slam qualifying, and it shows in the draws. I think this is also a funny instance because a lot of the players that are in the fifties in Prague and Nontaburi would get into Banja Luka or Grandby, but they just didn't expect that. I think <laughs> uh, they they just weren't expecting that. And it also uh, because there's a twenty five k in Poznan this week. Uh, where mm-hmm. I might go for a few days, just uh, n- not getting any like hotel or anything, but just uh, you know a train in the morning and a train back in the evening. I have like two hours to Poznan. 
and uh, it also uh, really weakens the field there because a lot of the players who are supposed to be there are actually playing qualifying, I don't know, at Prague or, or Banja Luka. Banja Luka maybe not, mostly, mostly at Prague. Uh, so, so it's a it's a pretty pe uh, peculiar situation. A lot of the players have spoken about. Uh, well, a lot of the players is maybe a stretch, but there was that Marchenko video, where Lestien, I remember, and a few other players spoke about it. Renzo Olivo had that tweet we covered a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but anyhow, obviously, we're going to to follow the action. As you said, the qualifying is actually pretty good compared to the to the rest of the draw. I think if Topo or Polichak qualify, they're capable of a, of a run. Obviously, both very talented youngsters. Uh, Kopejans, Hassan, for sure, they can also do well. And when it comes to my pick, it would be very easy to just go for Alvarez Varona because I think he he actually played quite well against Max and Kozerki. I'm the only thing I'm afraid of is the surface switching. Virtanen Vanash, I don't want to go there, although I think Virtanen could also be one of the potential winners here. He looked at li like a challenger winner a couple of times. There's also Fansdo Maroshan, which is a very good first round. Uh, but it's also very tempting for me to pick Maroshan because I feel like he's been playing at a at a pretty high level recently, just not really reaping the rewards. And this weaker challenger row could be could be the perfect occasion. Uh, I'm very excited to see Jan Koinski again because I haven't watched him in in years. It feels like, and he used to play a lot of these Polish challengers because he, uh, well, his father is Polish, his mother is British, and then he played for Germany and. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a mess like that, but since uh, last year or this year, he's representing the United Kingdom, but mostly played ITF events recently. He's like one of the tall counterpuncher guys. Uh, and I remember saying, like a few years ago, I remember saying, you can't play like that. It's like, not to him, but just, uh, you know, just to myself. <laughs> Yeah, I came up to him and said, you can't play like that. <laughs> I actually I actually didn't think that this was possible, you know, with the with the physicality that he has to be playing a more more like more of a defensive play style. And I guess the joke's on me because right now we have Medvedev, Zverev, Hurkacz and all these guys. But maybe Koinski is actually playing differently right now. I, I haven't seen him in years, really. But anyhow, uh, after this very long uh, introduction, I am going to go with Fabian Maroshan. Uh, as even though he has a pretty rough opening draw, I think uh, he's probably way better than the rest, than a lot, than 90% of the players in the field here. He's just got a very high quality baseline game. And I feel like at some point this should result in a in a good challenger run. Yeah, uh, Maroshan was also my favorite, uh, probably out of, out of the bunch. Uh, uh, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, block you from getting a point over me. <laughs> Since we're at this, you know, stage. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with Alvarez Varona. You know, uh, he's had uh, pretty much a full week uh, since since the loss to uh, Kashnikovsky in, in the first round. So, so he's, he has had time to to get back on clay, probably. Um, I, I really like the draw for him as well in that section. Even that even that second section below, Jumhur just retired last week, Vitan and Vanash. I, yeah, I, I like Alvarez Varona here for sure. Cool. And the other IT we have we have this week is in Granby, which well has a very interesting field as well. Only like four players that have a huge gap, uh, ranking gap over the rest, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting field there. I, I, I was a bit skeptical about if, if we're going to get these guys, if they're going to, like, you know, want to risk uh, their US Open. But I they, think Rinderneck uh, might still withdraw, right? That that's, that's, like, a bit of a concern. But the rest should be there. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so we actually have a two-seeds withdrawal, Kozlov and Hart, uh, but they've been replaced. Uh, but, yeah, let's, let's look at the draws we have it right now. Uh, Rinderneck is the top seed playing Omni Kumar and then Aziz Dugaz or a qualifier. In this section, also Gabriel Diallo plays a qualifier, and then the winner of that match plays Ulysses Blanche or Tzidig Masoch Tebe. Uh, we then have Hiroki Moria as the ninth seed playing Aiden McHugh. Winner gets to play Strong Kirkheimer or a qualifier. Hugo Umber plays Evan Zhu, and then Nick Chappell or Hadi Habib. Yuncheng Chang plays Marcos Stakusic, and then Ezekiel Clark or a qualifier. Uh, then we have Jordan Thompson playing Liam Draxel and then Clement Shidech uh, or a qualifier. Uh, uh, final section, Yiji Vesely plays a qualifier and then Henry Patton or Kyle Seelig. Uh, Nicolas Mejia is the 10th seed uh, playing Juan Carlos Aguilar and then Maxime Janvier or Sekou Bagura. Uh, in the qualifying, we have Ayeni, uh, who's, who's got a bye, but he has to play Aesthetic uh, before he gets to Go through to the main draw. We have also, uh, I don't know, Luke Savile, uh, Aiden Mayo, Oscar or O'Hoisen. Uh, who he's, he's an Irish player that I've seen a, his name uh, pop up a couple of times now. Yeah, he played Edmund quite close a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, over to the doubles, we have Luke Savile teaming up with Hans Hack Verdugo for the top seeds. Uh, Petros Tsitsipas plays with Marcelo de Molinaire. That's a very, very interesting pairing for me. Uh, we also have Cash Patton, uh, Aesarik Sitak, uh, Evan King plays with Fabian Rebull this week, Gonzalez and Stoller, uh, the champions last week. Uh, so yeah, an interesting draw, but going back to the singles, who do you like here? Yes. <laughs> um, I think on the INE is dangerous in the qualifying, but I'm not going to really think about it too much going into the main draw because it's a little random. Um Funny story about why Kozlov withdrew, because he is actually the first alternate for the US Open main draw. And it looks like he might not get in in time. So he was supposed to play Granby if he did. But well, he had to withdraw because he might have to play qualifying. And it's got to be frustrating for him because Djokovic is still on the entry list. Uh, so if, if Djokovic doesn't pull out before the quality draw is made, and he probably won't, I'm assuming, because he he, he probably will, will want to wait a few days, then Kozlov is going to have to play qualifying for the US Open, which just really sucks. Uh, yeah, that, that, for him. that's a tough situation. Yeah, that's, that, mm -hmm. that's harsh. For, yeah. I'm sure for a lot of people right now, it's going to be like a bit of a joke because, well, it's Kozlov. What is he going to do in the US Open main draw? And, you know, in terms of the money for him, it's it's pretty huge because he's unlikely to get through qualifying in this form. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and when it comes to my pick, uh, I'm still afraid that Rinderneck is going to withdraw, especially as he had some physical issues in the final. And yeah, because of that, going back to back seems kind of unlikely, even though his draw is kind. Uh, and I think Umber is probably the best option here because the other guys I have in mind are are Jordan Thompson and Yu Cheng Shang. I like their section quite a bit, uh, even though both Drax and Shidek for Thompson, that could be a bit dangerous, but they're both underpowered. And Shang's section is excellent, unless he draws Ayeni in the second round. 
but well, because they're in the same quarter, I think I have to go with Hugo Umber, even if he's not, you know, he's not going to be dominating Chargers for now. I think in a draw like this, which is significantly weaker than what we had in Vancouver, and that's probably a bit of an understatement. Uh, in a draw like this, I think he's fully capable of taking the title. Yeah, I I also have to go with Hugo Umber. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, uh, the the Vrindekne withdraws. Uh, he simply has to make the final out of the top half. Uh, there's really nobody else that should be making the final other than Hugo Umber. Uh, in the bottom half, there's there's a couple more names. You know, Yunqing Shang is very interesting, but he's in that section with Thompson. Uh, Vesely against this level of field should make a, a deeper run if if he wants to. Um, but yeah, then then the the other three guys being on the on the same half and Umber being pretty much alone unless the connect decides to play. Uh, yeah, I, I just have to go with Hugo Umber. All right, and we have two Challenger fifties this week. Uh, which is yeah. also quite exciting. Did we have a, a week like that even since the format was introduced? Maybe not. I don't know. You start with the draw and I'll try to find out. All right. We we go over to Prague, the Challenger 50 there, uh, where Mateo Gigante is, is the top seed playing Roman Andres Burruchaga. Winner gets to play Canidas Heber or a qualifier. Then we have Chem Ilkel, the seventh seed, playing Lukas Gerch. Uh, winner gets to play Mats Rosenkrantz or Adrian Andreu. Uh, Second section, Vitaly Sachko plays Murkel Delien. Uh, winner gets to play Matthias Botstel or qualifier. Artur Fields plays Mariano Navalny with the winner facing Henry Squire or Lukas Neumayer. Uh, Ergi Kirkin plays Lukas Rossol, who just won a 25k last week on clay, so, so he should be in some form here. Uh, winner getting to play Jakub Menshik, who's the talented junior or qualifier. Uh, Oriol Roca Bataya uh, plays Marek Gengel and then one of two qualifiers. Oleksi Kruti plays Mariusz Kopil and then uh, Petr Noza or qualifier. And Niklas Moreno de Alboran uh, plays Alejandro, sorry, Alejandro Moro Cañas uh, when you're playing Alexis Gautier or Rafael Collignon. This is, this draw is probably stronger than Maria Luca looking yeah. at it. Um, over in qualifying, we have uh, Dominguez playing Lamasin, Lamasin being Milos Karol, I see here. Um, we also have Andrew Paulson, Michal Verbinski, uh, Martin Guevas potentially over to the doubles. Uh, we have Cornea and Paulson teaming up. Uh, they play Il Ilkel and Kirkin. Uh, Menchig also plays doubles with Jakub Nitsod. Um, Gengel plays with Rosol. Miloš Karol plays with Vitali Sačko. Burucaka plays with Navone. Uh, and they play Trzeviecki and Niklas Salminen. So a couple of interesting matchups there but going back to the singles uh yeah what do you make of this draw yeah i totally agree that this is more interesting than banya luca i don't think i don't know if it is ranking wise i didn't read really look at it like that but there's just so many more exciting players as well uh yeah. sachko playing delhi and that's a cracking first round honestly um gigante buruchaga that's amazing as well kopil krutik that sounds very nice uh he, Good youngsters, Jakub Menchik, um, Arthur Fields, of course, Kirkin Russell, that's going to be fun as well. Rafael Colignon has been winning 25Ks like every week recently. Um, obviously, uh, and it's a bit of a hyperball, but he, he's already won three this year and has a 47 and 13 win loss record for the, in 2022. He actually played just one challenger match in qualifying to Merbush, losing to Lamazin, only taking five games. 
it remains to be seen if uh, if his game is you know, going to be translatable to to the higher level. Uh, from watching him a bit, um, you know, on the on the ITF streams, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like a game that would instantly uh, have him, you know, achieve success here. But we shall see. That's that's obviously a bit of a uh, an unknown factor. The qualifying draw is very very strong as well. Yeah, it's really probably the most interesting event of the week. Um, and well, and in terms of who I want to pick, I didn't really think of that. <laughs> to be honest with you. I was certainly I, 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 if you like. I, I have a I have a pick ready. I don't think it's going to be who you okay. want to pick anyway. Yeah. Um but yeah, I I feel like it's it's a very tough one to, to pick somebody out. Yeah. Uh like like half the field could win this. And with that, I, I want to go for a little bit of a hero call. I'm going with Lukas Rossol uh to 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 uh go off the back of his 25k uh title last week. He didn't drop a single set, so he shouldn't be too fatigued. Obviously, he is 37, so maybe he's just fatigued all the time. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he he won Mutens 25k straight sets, including a win over Jerome Kim. Um, and yeah, Kirkin isn't the ideal draw, but I I like the section probably the most out, out of out of any section here. So yeah, Lukas Rosso, here we go. Yeah, and I'm gonna go for an unseated player as well, and I'm gonna go with Arthur Fields. Uh, mm -hmm. It's going to happen at some point, whether it's this event, who knows. But as you said, this is very, very hard to pick out from. A lot of the players I would maybe want to consider have very tough opening rounds. Gigante, Sachko, uh, Moreno Dalboran as well against Morocanias. Morocanias is a perfectly fine unseeded floater as well. Coligno I even considered, but yeah, it, it's just really hard for me to see him just instantly switching from from itfs to to winning a title here so yeah arthur fields is my pick yeah and we only have one event left in non-taburi also a challenger 50 oh and by the way i i don't think i mentioned that i checked and this is the second week um historically when we get two challenger 50s the first one was the very first week of 2022 when we had mm. Forli and like Buenos Aires or something like that, Manardi and Rodriguez Taverna claimed titles. So very nice, promising players. And Nontaburi is the first challenger in uh, East or Southeast Asia since uh, the pandemic, which is very cool. And there's going to be a lot more to come with also South Korea and uh, Japan. And Nontaburi is going to be a bit of a mainstay because there's three consecutive challenger 50s there. Yes, yeah, here we go, Notamburi. I, I, I would actually maybe contend that this is the most interesting uh, draw of, of the week that we have, uh, but I, it's up to the it's up to debate. Yeah, it's have, debatable for sure. Yeah, we have the top seed Alastair Gray playing Artur Kazo. We're not getting to play Yevgeny Donsko or Prashish Benishwaran. Then we have uh, Nam Hua Ali playing a qualifier, and then Ilya Marchenko or Jason Jung, one of two, uh, you know, veteran players on the on the uh, challenger tour they have billy harris playing alibek kachmanzo winner getting to play akira santilan or a thai wildcard vishaya trong charo and chaikul trong charo and chaikul there we go uh dane sweeney uh plays yutana uh charo anofon uh gabriel de Camps plays sergey fomin uh nicola kuhn plays benjamin Locke, and then one of two qualifiers uh, another thai wildcard kassidit samre plays a qualifier and then Denis Yevsev or Yuxi Su. Ishai Oliel plays Federico Gallo, who's here. That, that was a surprising one. 
uh, to see Gaio here uh, when they're playing Baby Djukaev or Omar Jasika. Uh, Bu uh, Yunchao Kante uh, is also in the main draw here, and he gets to play qualifier, and then Yasutaka Uchiyama or another qualifier. Uh, in the qualifying, we have the likes of Valentin Vachereau, uh, who you spoke about last week, uh, Gage Brimer, uh, Kian Jacquet, just other, uh, other things that I recognize, Tristan Schoolkate. Uh, so there we go. Over to the doubles, uh, we have uh, Stu and Locke as the top seeds. Uh, Santalan plays with Zhukaev. Uh, Nam and Song, the Korean pairing, is here, uh, as well as Toshihide Matsui and uh, Kaito Wesugi. Donsko plays with Kachmazov. Jacquet plays with uh, Vashero. Um, Kuhn and Machinko are teaming up here, Skokin and Sweeney. So a, a, a couple of interesting um, names here. We also have we also have Billy Harris playing with Courtney John Locke. So we have both the Locke brothers in this draw, but they're not teaming up to play together, interestingly enough. But back to the main draw, uh, what do you think of it? Yeah, I, I agree. It's pretty interesting. I see how uh, we'll see how much I'm actually going to watch of it because it starts at 5 a.m. for me. <laughs> and uh, well, actually, this week you can watch tennis 24 hours uh, per day, which is pretty cool yeah. <laughs> because you might finish the day in Winston Salem and then go instantly to Nonda Buri. Uh, yeah, so that, that's pretty amazing. Uh, there, there are a couple of players in the qualifying who could go on a run. Vashro has already beaten McCabe uh this morning which is um yeah and he he's definitely he can definitely get around there if he plays as well as he did in that uh what was it san marino san marino i think um <laughs> i expected more of philip sekulic after the australian summer and he he lost to zuckerman here uh i thought the uh, sekulic was going to have a, a better a better path of progress after uh, with the forehand that he has but it hasn't really materialized which makes me a bit sad uh, yes, and looking at the main draw, Alastar Gray, Arthur Casodas, brutal. Casodas just returned from it, from the. It was like a, he didn't even give a date, right, for the for the injury hiatus. Like it was, uh, it was supposed to be as long as it takes, and it was actually pretty short, it, as it turns out. But he he played. Uh, he had a semi final at the 15k in Monastir, losing to Rigalete. If I remember correctly, Marchenko could get on a run, but do I trust him to win five matches at this point? I don't know. Billy Harris has a good draw, or maybe not. <laughs> well, Beckham's Kachmazov in the opening round, Santian. That's all. That's all pretty tough. Uh, Kuhn, Benjamin Locke. I also don't really like that that draw for for Kuhn, even though you know, his talent is is there. Buyun Chaoketa is playing uh, his first challenger, which is a. Uh, it's, this is going to be quite interesting. He's already won 68 matches this year to only 14 losses. Uh, that includes six ITF titles. And while well, he's one of the guys who during the pandemic didn't really show on the tour because he's Chinese. And right now he just comes out and destroys the ITF circuit. I only watched him a couple of times. Uh, one of them was a very straightforward loss to Antoine Oang. And... You know, it didn't really seem like he was doing anything special on the court, had a pretty good backhand. So I, again, like with Collignon, I don't know if he's going to instantly translate that success to to challengers, uh, but certainly very excited to see him there. Zhukayev Jasika, that's a very, very cool first round as well. And all in all, I have no idea what to go for here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because it like Prague, this seems very even. I guess this is a bit of a trend that uh, Banja Luka and Grandi fields weren't that deep. 
that Banyaluka and Granby, even though they were anti, they were 80s, had a couple of uh, front runners and Prague and Lontaburi. I mean, really, anything can happen. Uh, I I like uh, I I was curious how you were going to pronounce Trong Charo and Chaiko. <laughs> I actually learned to like, look at the notes that I could have done in that situation. Yeah. I actually uh, learned to spell Yevan uh, Nedunhezian recently, <laughs> but this guy I would still have no idea how to write if someone told me to. Uh, yeah, and I'm talking about this because I really have no clue what to go for. Uh, do you have an, an idea in mind or um the, the, there are a lot of players that i'm looking at a lot of you know uh like i, I would love to go for the camps or billy harris but then being in the same in the same section yeah. a little bit nervous uchiyama is somebody that i'm thinking about but the section again is kind of tough it is tough uh, yeah. second round borders see the the win leader uh by by like 15 matches by, by like 15 wins this season so far on the men's side uh, which is very interesting. Omar Jasika would be an interesting pick as well. Um, but you know what? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with that uh, with Gabriel de Camps. Let's let's go with that. Yeah. Okay. I was actually considering not Jasika but Baby Trukayev, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it just shows how uh, how we're really struggling here. Yes, is that a stretch? I don't know. It's possible. Kun. Uh, it is an option. You know what? I'm I'm just gonna go for the hero call. Buyan Chaokete. Let's go. Oh, wow. 68 oh, wow. wins right. until until now, uh, from the beginning of the season. Actually, before 2022, he only had let me let me find it. He only had eight matches on the professional circuit, winning two of them, beating Duan and Oradini, Duan via retirement. Like he just wasn't really winning at all. And I think the the, the three matches he played in 2021 were more along the lines of 2022 because it was already december like during christmas time mm-hmm. and then he comes out after the pandemic and does this on the itf circuit whether he can do it i have no idea there, there there's been some quality wins metreveli leshem trong charo and chaikul that, that's not a quality win but i just wanted to mention that he beat him fudging soon statum erel Xu, who's also in this draw barroso campos brimer I mean, it's Barroso Campos again. Matia Bellucci, he beat him this year. Zhukayev, he beat this year. So the, the, it's not like he is, uh, you know, just, just beating some random guys at 15Ks. Vashro, he already beat him. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm just going to go with him. Colignon also. So yeah, the, the, there's a couple of really quality wins in, in this in these 68 that, he, that he's already made this year. And I'm hoping that, uh, that his transition to the Challenger circuit will be smooth. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, and that, that's that's the end, or do you have anything? Uh, I was just going to say that he's definitely the most interesting player that we're going to see this week. Like, like yeah. definitely more question marks around him. I'm, I'm very curious to see what he has to show on this level. Yeah, agreed. And uh, yeah, and that's, that's going to be all. As we said at the beginning, we're going to have a separate US Open qualifying uh, podcast for you, where we're going to pick the 16 qualifiers we're gonna see who gets who gets how many points uh this is nice because i don't have any you know any disadvantage to make up for there i'm actually going to be able to start from an even position which is cool uh and yeah and we're gonna see you guys in a week to discuss panialuka granby uh, non tapuri and prague bye